You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today I'm talking about pharmacometrics. And of course, I'm talking with a pharmacometrician about this topic. So stay tuned and learn how to best work with such a person. I personally have worked with pharmacometricians only very, very little bit in my career because I spent most of my time working more on the later phases and there's the contact with people in that space of the industry is not that big. So that's why I found this really, really helpful. And if you don't have a clue what they do, then stay tuned for this episode. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Head over to the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about all the different PSI activities, how they help you and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. And today I have a person from a related field. Hi, Sri. How are you doing? Hi, Alexander. Um, very good. How are you? Very good. Thanks so much. It's nice to have you on the call, especially um, as you're a listener of the podcast, even though you are a pharmacometrician and not a statistician. But I think there's a lot of similar challenges and a lot of similar things that we both kind of work with as quantitative people. So that's really, really great. Before we go into the content, maybe you can explain a little bit how you got into the job where you are now and what motivated you to go into this direction. Yeah, so I, I'm a pharmacometrician at BI, working now here for about five years. I started out my training in pharmacy and I actually got the opportunity to learn about pharmacometrics and the quantitative side of things um, during my pharmacy background. So although I was mainly in clinical, I also got the opportunity to um, work in a quantitative uh, lab where I was able to use and, and learn about some of those skills to make a decision about a compound for um, development. Mm -hmm. And I also had the opportunity to work as an intern at BI. And so I actually started out my entire career in pharmacometrics at the intersection between pharmacometrics and statistics, where I worked together with another set, uh, statistics intern to work on uh, MCP mod actually. So dose exposure response uh, modeling. Yeah, that's kind of how I got it into pharmacometrics and learning about the quantitative side of things and how we can integrate, you know, the, the drug disease characteristics and trial characteristics to basically understand a system mathematically and then use that to make decisions about drug development. That was very appealing to me. So I'm very passionate about using uh, quantitative approaches to make better decisions in, in drug development. During your initial time at BI as an intern, was there a specific episode to the specific story where you were kind of uh, realizing this is really cool. I want to kind of continue with that. Yeah. So uh, I think during the internship, I work with uh, 
person from statistics, like another intern from statistics. And we're working on the MCP mod yeah, methodology where we basically want to integrate this multiple comparisons testing with the, the modeling approach to mm-hmm. select a dose for a phase three setting. And this was all based on dummy data. So it wasn't really high stakes or anything, but um, just being able to account for like different or the uncertainty in, in models and then be able to use that as a, a way to make a decision about which dose to take forward into the development. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a pretty nice story. It's, it's MCP mod is, is surely not some kind of completely straightforward approach. And working on these things is really, really nice. When you look back into your training as a pharmacometrician, how did that actually look like? What kind of areas do you study? Because, you know, in statistics, we, oh, I studied mathematics, actually. We did all kind of different models and things like this. But I didn't really learn a lot about biology or anything like this. So, so how, do, how is it in pharmacometrics? <laughs> Yes, basically, I started out in in pharmacy. So I had really no training at all in in quantitative sciences. So I had a good training in pharmacology and understanding, you know, the relationship between dose and like a concentration of drug in the body and how that uh, um, basically leads to downstream activation of some biomarkers and the the physiology pharmacology side of things. And, And then I had the opportunity to basically learn some quantitative skills, programming skills, modeling skills, when I had to use those um, to apply the knowledge that I have and kind of accumulate the knowledge mm-hmm. in a, a mathematical model to then be able to say, okay, what if we use a different dose? What if we use a different regimen or route of administration? And how can we use the knowledge that we have so far about the compound, including the, the biology, physiology, pharmacology, to make some kind of um, simulation or uh, answer a hypothetical question uh, to say, okay, what will the exposure look like? What would the response look like? Um, in this scenario, and and how would that impact an outcome um, that we're interested in, or a research question. So um, basically starting with the question in mind, like what is the research question that you have in mind, using a a model to basically accumulate all the knowledge that you have, and then um, apply that for uh, some decision making. What are these typical kind of questions that you would come across as a pharmacometrician? Yeah, so it can be basically from discovery until, you know, approval and post-marketing and beyond, but you would want to know things like what's the relationship between uh, dose and exposure, because then that relates mm-hmm. to what should be the dose to give to get to, a, to be able to target, you know, the right exposure to be able to reach a, a certain level of response, a so dose selection. Okay. In terms of exposure, so that means how much active ingredient we have in the blood, for example. That would be exposure. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And is it always about, you know, what's what's in the blood or can can it be also other ways of exposures? If I'm thinking, for example, for something that works in the brain, or maybe it works in the skin or things like this, how does that work then in these kind of areas? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, usually what you can measure is what's in the blood. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, what's really related to the, the effect and downstream activation of the, the pharmacology and then eventually to the efficacy is what's actually in the blood or mm-hmm. sorry, not in the blood, in the um, actual site of action. Mm-hmm. So first you think about the um, concentration of 
of drug and the, or the dose that you give, and then the exposure in the blood. And then from the blood, it distributes into the tissues. And mm. then it, it activates some kind of receptor or um, pathway, and then um, leads to a response downstream. Well, the principle of pharmacokinetics, so that understanding the relationship between dose and exposure, you can basically have an equilibrium between the, the blood and the tissues usually. So you can describe that mathematically with a, okay. with a model. So basically, if you think about the drug, uh, sorry, the dose first, and then um, characterize the, the body as sort of like a compartment, and then you have the drug coming into the compartment and then distributing and then being eliminated, absorbed, distributed throughout the body and metabolized. And so we can capture all of that with a model. And if you're really interested in a specific tissue, because you think that's directly related to some question you want to answer, then you can also use physiologically based models. So the typical models that we work with in POP-PK or population pharmacokinetics um, are mainly empirical. So basically it's, it's not really the human body is, can't be represented. So it's, it's a very simplistic representation of Okay. The human body, um, but you can also have like physiologically based models where it's like actual tissue volumes, you know, and blood flows and organ uh, function and things like that. So you can also this is a separate kind of modeling approach where you look at the more into like the physiology and okay. uh, the blood flow and things like that to get an understanding of the tissue concentration as well. But typically, we, we can answer those questions with you know a simpler model. If you look into exposure, and I kind of think of okay. I, I take a drug and then I measure the amount of ingredient over time uh, in the blood. I think there's, you know, there's lots of different things you can measure in it, probably kind of how fast it's, you know, increases, kind of how much you have over a period of time, uh, how fast it, you know, goes down, kind of how it metabolites, um, how it's kind of, um, well, leaves the body again, all these kind of different things. That's all PK, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. So basically, when you think about pharmacokinetics, you want to look at the time course of the exposure in the body. So if you think about a subject in a trial getting a dose of, of a compound, then you want to see how the pharmacokinetics uh, look like. Then you will want to take the blood concentration or the a concentration of drug at the um, in the body over time. So basically you would collect multiple samples and then look at the data basically. And then you can see how the, the drug absorbs, see the shape of the, of the curve basically. Mm -hmm. And so there's different characteristics like the absorption rate. So how fast it gets absorbed. Um, if it's an oral compound or a different type of administration route, it can also be how fast it declines. Like you said, uh, how long it stays in the body. So like a half-life concept. So all of those things can change depending on the, the dose, the dose interval, the route of administration, and there can be variability even between subjects, right? So um, depending on how it's metabolized, either through the kidneys, liver, or catabolism, anything else, there can be differences between patients that could impact the relationship between um, how much is in the body and, and how fast it gets absorbed or eliminated or metabolized. Mm -hmm. And if you have, you know, different organ function, then that can also possibly impact the resulting exposure. So there's like, um, so there's like variability between patients, but also um, just random variability as well. So we, we try to characterize um, that relationship using a structural model. So the looking at um, like a typical profile over time, but also a stochastic element. So like uh, just 
mixed effects modeling where we want to include like a random effect. So just on a parameter, we would include some level of variability and make an assumption about how that parameter is distributed. So typically for PK, it's log normally distributed. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like clearance and volume. So we try to get an understanding of the, we're going to try to get an under, like a quantitative understanding of the main PK parameters that would help us learn about how long it stays in the body, uh, essentially. Yeah. And if we now have, for example, something, you know, that goes too fast or that uh, goes not high and up or, you know, decreases too fast again, how can we influence that? Yeah, it's basically the drug that you have. And mm-hmm. so it's the characteristic of the, the compound, right? And so you can engineer the molecule in such a way to, to make it have different properties, like a half-life extension, mm-hmm. uh, for example, of an antibody. But usually that's what, you, that's what you're working with. Like in, in the preclinical space, you have some information. And so you can select a compound that gives you the right PK characteristics early on in, in the discovery phase. And then once it get, um, gets into man, you learn about that and then you see, okay, how often should I give this drug? What route of administration, um, you know, how much of it do I need and how often do I need to give it to be able to reach a um, clinically efficacious kind of um, exposure? Can we then also have go back to the bench and have different kind of formulations? Is that also part of this area? So kind of don't know different mixtures or instead of having a tablet, having some kind of capsule or, yeah. or other ways to formulate it so that it you know meets better the demands of the patients. Okay, interesting. You mentioned there's a lot of collaboration with statistics. How does that actually look like? Because, you know, both are quantitative scientists. And how do you kind of, you know, divide up the work and where's the overlap? Yes. As a pharmacometrician, you're typically also sitting in those drug development teams um, together Mm -hmm. with um, the statistician, of course, but also the clinical lead, uh, clinical pharmacology, um, you know, biomarker colleagues and so forth. And you're all in this team um, and trying to develop a compound, right? And so when you think about um, designing a study, for example, then defining the right research questions together and thinking about how to best um, select the dosing regimen or how to design the study to get the most information out of it. And and so I, I would say thinking about the just for example, like designing a phase two, phase two B study and thinking about, you know, what doses should be evaluated for the optimal dosing to be able to learn about dosing in a phase three setting. You would work together to think about the, the basically the, the design, um, what exposure could be driving the response or what exposure metric. Um, when is PD study state reached? When is PK study state reached? Um, which population or disease course is being studied and, and working together to basically optimize the, the trial design together. And, and I would say that it's really starting with the, the question that we have in mind, defining that together. And like one place that's kind of where a lot of, there's a lot of synergies, exposure response and dose response and just designing like a dose finding study or thinking about which dose select into phase three, for example, in a late stage program. There, if you want to use MCP mod, for example, you might want to think about which shapes uh, should I put pre-select into my um, Mm. MCP, like the design stage. And there we can use the pharmacometrician's knowledge in the sense that you would have accumulated knowledge about the compound that the the disease, um, you know, the relationship between the drug and response and things like that from preclinical, basically prior knowledge. So it's kind of 
yeah. uh, Beijing in a sense. So working together to kind of look into that space, like they, the shape of the exposure response, how to best design the study and, and also interpret the study, analyze the study. Uh, sometimes the dose response is, is good enough. Sometimes um, we need more um, complex models or you want to take into account different uh, aspects uh, and different covariates and things like that. So because with the dose response, you would just assume an average, the same average response with you know the same dose, whereas that mm-hmm. might not always be the case. And exposure is what's really in the end related to how much is at the site of action and in the end leading to a clinical outcome. So if you have different formulations or different you know routes of administration in the end, and you and your previous study didn't really look into that. You know, it would, let's say you had an IV administration in, in your phase 2B mm-hmm. or phase 2A. Now the team wants to go for a sub-Q development. You know, without really understanding the relationship between dose and, and exposure, you can't design that appropriately. So, uh, yeah. I, I love how you describe it. Yeah, it's, it's really a collaborative effort. That it's, it's not so much that's my sandbox, that's your sandbox. But it's uh, we need to work across the team, you know, with all the different people, and give you know all our background into it, so that we make the best decisions in terms of design and the analysis of of these studies to move forward, and kind of thinking from the having the end in mind in terms of how will kind of the approval look like, how will the phase three look like, how does then we need to have the, the right phase two. Yeah, I, I really love this kind of approach in you know, highlighting the collaborative uh, efforts there. In terms of working together in, in such a you know, collaborative space, what are your experiences how to make that best work? Yeah, I think you know, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is uh, really thinking about the, first the question, and then the data that we would have to, mm-hmm. to answer that question, and then think about the, the approach that you would take. Sometimes the approach requires, let's say, more assumptions around the model structure um, or how much or how complex things should be and how much uh, what those parameters are informed by and things like that. So uh, trusting each other's um, knowledge, uh, I would mm-hmm. say, and quantifying the uncertainty if you don't have you know, as much knowledge about a parameter how do you gain this trust with with a statistician, for example, that you can trust his knowledge or her knowledge? Right. <laughs> so I would think um, starting off with just some like our, uh, the common ground, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you know, obviously, um, even pharmacometrics that started out from statistics because it's borrowed from mixed effects modeling, right? So we have um, this common understanding of mixed effects models. So we have you know, defining those terminologies and making sure we understand what we're talking about even. Sometimes it's not, you know, exactly the same terminology. So Mm -hmm. I would say just talking to each other and and, uh, learning about each other's disciplines and seeing where you have common ground. Usually there there really is. Statistical aspects are borrowed from, in in pharmacometrics are also borrowed from statistics. So, and the other way around, yeah. I I think that's important. Being curious about the other person, where the other person is coming from, um, understanding the language, the vocabulary, and then kind of uh, listening to what is the other person's expertise. Why are they kind of thinking, okay, this model would make sense here. This assumption would make sense here. These assumptions wouldn't make sense here. That helps to kind of uh, see where the other person is coming from. 
Do you have any story of this kind of collaboration between you and the statistician worked really, really nicely? Yeah. So actually, even right now, we're, we're working very closely together to, to better assess the benefit risk of a compound. Mm -hmm. And so looking at, you know, we have many different trials, like 20 trials or so, and we want to understand the relationship between dose and let's say safety. Like, is there mm -hmm. a dose related concern of safety? And so actually in that case, we can also think about exposure um, and safety because the, yeah. there are so much differences in the trial design types of uh, studies that were done, routes of administration, things like that, that if you look at just dose, it may be um, misleading. And so in this case, the statistician actually used exposure or as the, as the ex explanatory variable, looking mm -hmm. at a relationship between um, yeah, dose and, and response. And so in this case, I basically simulated the um, individual subjects' exposure values um, for that study. And then we looked at a defined an exposure metric together and then mm -hmm. simulated that individual subject PK value and then gave that to the statistician to then be able to plug that into um, like an exposure response model. So in that case, they actually did that themselves. So that was a, a nice example where um, I think the statistician also learned a little bit more about you know, exposure metrics, the limitations of certain metrics versus others. And uh, you know, we shouldn't be pooling everything together. Maybe we should look at certain things. And then also looking at, let's say, um, the impact of uh, different covariates on the relationship of dose and safety, for example, because maybe not um, all of the different diseases that we included in that model are, are appropriate to pull together and things like that. So I think, yeah, that was a, that was a nice example where we, we basically worked very, very closely to, to be able to answer that question that came up from a regulatory agency very, in a very short uh, time frame. Cool. Yeah, that, that sounds really, really interesting because yeah, clearly, you, you know, measuring plasma levels is, is quite a lot of effort and simulating these based on, you know, the, the limited data that you have. It's quite a neat way to understand, you know, how the exposure to side effects uh, process may look like and um, to then better understand, yeah, what kind of actions to take, whether there's yeah. certain patients maybe at higher risk and things like this. Yeah. Very, very cool. Thanks so much for, for this discussion. We talked a lot about, you know, what pharmacometricians do, where their background is, and how statisticians and pharmacometricians work closely together and what drives good collaboration between the, the two functions. Um, is there any kind of final tip you would have for a statistician to um, work effectively with a pharmacometrician? Yeah, I mean, I would say we'll talk to each other. <laughs> Finally, this is really an obvious one on the first glance, but it's, I know that we, especially kind of when we all work remote, yeah, we very often just, you know, meet in meetings rather than on a one-to-one -one basis. Yeah. Make time to meet people one-to-one. -one. Uh, and after the pandemic, maybe even face-to-face. -face. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, definitely like just learning from each other, talking, understanding that it's the same language, uh, sharing the same language, and then thinking, really collaborating on, on the, the questions that we want to answer together, and then thinking about the approach going from there. So yeah, just go talk to each other and, and see maybe something, something happens. 
Thanks so much for, for this great discussion. Yeah, talk to you soon, surely again at, at another point. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and Casey, who helped with the show in the background, and thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician. <laughs>